God. Praise God. Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. If we have any guests, we welcome you tonight. Thank you so much for being in service with us. If you're watching us online, wherever you're watching from, pray. You're blessed by this service tonight. We give honor to Bishop and Mother Wright tonight. Even though they're not here, praise God. Amen. You can be seated. I will start with some introductory remarks before I read a verse. If you would please switch iPad on. There is a phrase uh, which you can see on the screen that um, for several weeks uh, a particular verse with these words has kind of been just kind of in my spirit. And um, as I started looking a little deeper into it, um, I found that 14 times in the Gospels and nine times in the Epistles, you will find this phrase, take heed. A couple of the times in the Gospels, I will say, a couple of these times is different books where it's basically saying the same thing or it's the same setting where one writer or where multiple writers have recorded the same words. So uh, that 14 times in the Gospels is not 14 individual unique times, uh, but 14 times. The phrase, according to Strong's, and I will also say this, uh, well, let me actually also say, as I'm about to say what I'm also going to say, um, the Lord willing, I feel some direction for Thursday nights to, to kind of go through these. Um, and so as we do that, if that's what ends up taking place, I will say there's a couple of places where the Greek word, the word take heed, is usually comes from one Greek word, and the word, uh, there's a couple of places where it's every time it's take heed, it's not the same Greek word. So I will point that out to you, and um, uh, when it comes time. Here, in the verse we're going to, the one we're going to focus on tonight, the Greek word, according to Strong's, means to hold the mind towards i.e. pay attention to, means to be cautious about, apply oneself to. It means to adhere to or to turn to. According to Thayer's, it means to bring to or bring near. It means to turn the mind to, attend to. It means to be attentive. It means to apply oneself to, attach oneself to hold or cleave to a person or a thing. And then according to goodolddictionary.com, it means to give careful attention to, to give attention or to have regard. It means careful attention, notice, observation, usually with give or take. And so, obviously all Scripture is important, but... I think, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 11 or 12 unique times in the Gospels, Jesus said, take heed, pay attention. So in addition to the things, all the other things He said that have importance and significance, for some reason, there was a few times where He said, pay attention. Make sure you get this. Make sure you notice this. Perhaps that's because there are some times we kind of put on autopilot our listening. Maybe he understood that about them. And so there was a few things that he, he kind of said, Hey, make sure you get this. Don't miss it. I know you need everything else, but I want you to, I want you to be very attentive to what I'm saying. I, 
I want you to make a special note. I, I'm assuming it's the same way now. I, I guess it's been a little while, so it may have changed. But uh, one thing I always understood that I, I, I guessed a lot of times at what I should put in my notes from what the professor said. One thing I understood was if he writes it on the board, you probably should make sure you get that in your notes. You, you might kind of try to discern everything else, what to put down and what not, but if he puts it on the board, you may want to take special note of that. I, I kind of think maybe we could look at it kind of in that context that he was, he was kind of saying, hey, I'm writing on the board, get this. So, we're going to read the first one here tonight, and I'm going to do something I have been greatly avoiding, but I'm trying to finally get over my pride. So, if you will just um, take note, and (laughs) I'm tired of trying to squint and pretend, so here we are. Finally, of course, the look in my wife's eye when I put them on, you'd think I'd wear them all the time. But anyway, <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1 says, Take heed, pay attention. These are, I got to get used to this. <laughs> they're just for reading, they're not for you. <laughs> Take heed. Listen carefully, pay attention, take note, that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Now, that seems kind of simple, but he said, pay attention. I had, I'm just insert, this is one of those roundabout apologies, okay? Most of you have learned to discern those from me. But I had a conversation with Brother Robitus when I was in Massachusetts a week ago, kind of about, at least from my perception, the difference between, uh, most of the time, the difference between Bishop's ministry and my ministry, especially in the area of teaching. Bishop's ministry is revelatory stuff, concepts, ideas. Um, I I appreciated Brother Robitas very much because I kind of classified what I teach from my perception as not very deep, and uh, he actually disagreed with that, and and that was encouraging. I wasn't fishing for that, but the reason I struggle with it being deep is because most of my ministry, and it continues this way, my teaching is much more practical application. I enjoy the revelatory stuff. It's great. It helps us. We need it. But this is also who I am. So I'm saying all that once again to sort of apologize to you that here we go again. Very practical, down-to-earth kind of stuff. But to the disciples, he said, to the followers, the close followers, he said, pay attention to this. Not this, this. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Therefore, when you doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall, in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, and I think this is, this is connected to the take heed, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast 
shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The Amplified, take care not to do your good deeds publicly or before men in order to be seen by them. Otherwise you will have no reward reserved for and awaiting you with and from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, whenever you give to the poor, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets like to do, that they may be recognized and honored and praised by men. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full already. But when you give to charity, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your deeds of charity may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Also, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full already." But when you pray, go into your most private room and closing the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in, who sees in secret will reward you in the open. And lastly, if you would bear with me, the Message Bible, and as it always does, says some things pretty straightforward. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater. But the God who made you won't be applauding. Might be good for everybody else that's watching, but the God who it should be for will not be all that impressed by what you're doing. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Placators, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. What is the reward you want? Recognition of men or recognition of God? When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it. Quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? (laughs) Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can, as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. Now, the context of any of this is not that you don't do anything in a public, that doesn't mean you don't give an offering at church and you don't pray and praise and worship, but it's about the motive of what you're doing. There, there, there's folks, not that there's anybody here that does it, but there's folks that'll go to a, a ladies' conference or will go to youth camp or some other kind of function like that that will be the greatest worshipers in the place. That when they're home, they look like they're paralyzed. They come to life when there's a bigger crowd and more people to see, but in a smaller setting, they're, they're, so that, that, that's kind of the context. He's, he's not saying that, again, we don't come here and then just do nothing. You don't go to, I can't stand, I can't stand quiet apostolic prayer meetings. I can't stand them. I don't understand them. It amazes me that the quietest we get is when we have a prayer meeting. Well, I'm just not comfortable praying out loud. Well, 
I understand there's some things you pray about and there's some things you may want to talk to God about that you kind of need to deal with in private. But when we come together as apostolics, I, I went to the prayer rally and, and um, when was that? Months ago, the Decision America tour by Franklin Graham. I went downtown and it was really interesting to me and I, 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 I was kind of positioned up on the Capitol steps, which was actually behind the stage, but it was really a closer uh, proximity to the stage, even though you couldn't even see the people on the stage. But it, it, it was just, it, it was so amazing to me that when the call to prayer went forth, you felt like you were in a funeral home. It was as silent and quiet as could be. It was interesting. I actually have a, took a video of him on my phone. I believe it was a uh, a prayer of calling for repentance for our nation. I think that's what it was. There was one man, he actually had two prosthetic legs, and I, I had kind of gave him the, uh, just sort of the impression that he was perhaps a wounded warrior. And I will say that that one prayer particular, as everyone went silent, he went loud. I, he had his hands up and he was full volume, but it was amazing how uncomfortable everybody else was. So I don't think when we pray in that setting, we're supposed to be silent and quiet. Of course, it's amazing people that haven't read the Bible in weeks call a prayer meeting, they'll come to prayer meeting and read their Bible. <laughs> So he's not talking about not, he's obviously not talking about not worshiping at church and not, it's not talking about those, but them, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for recognition, for show, for recognition, or is it a show to cover up something? I'm really struggling. I'm really battling in my walk with God. I'm battling with some sin. So, let me come and give a real good open show so that it appears that I'm doing really well. So he's saying, whatever you do, don't do like the Pharisees and do it as a performance for folks to see. Because if that's what you do and that's why you do it, that is your reward. The recognition of individuals is your reward. But if you will do what you do in secret and not trumpet what you do, then your Father will reward you. Now that doesn't mean that you decide to do it secretly because you're wanting God to reward you publicly. <laughs> but if recognition is what you're seeking for, and that's what you get from the crowd, that's what you got. You know what, we're in a little different, <laughs> we're in a little different unique time right now, where I think we have to really, there's some biblical principles that when first written had a completely different context. I don't know if this is going to, I don't know if you'll be able to read this or not, but I like my little Instagram post, my little caption, blessed to be able to pay my tithes, I like that. About that. Just finishing up my daily two hour Bible reading. <laughs> the real nerve wracking thing is, I couldn't figure out any way out to do this than to actually post it real quick, take a screenshot, and in, in two. In literally less than three seconds of posting the one on the left and deleting it, I get a text from my son. What was that tithe post about and where did it go? I'm like, oh God, please, I know I deleted it, but... I, you, know, I, you know, people out feeding the homeless, uh, out doing Jesus' work. There is a fine line between trying to motivate others by what you're doing and getting recognition for what you're doing. 
I got to tell you, this is probably flesh right now. I'm going to acknowledge that. I think it may be more than just flesh, but I'll, I'll be honest enough to say it may be flesh. I, and I know some of you have no involvement in social media, and, and that's fine. I'm not asking you to get involved, promoting you get involved. I, I, I have an Instagram account, <laughs> obviously. Um, <laughs> I, I, have, I have Facebook, and, and, and I'm very getting extremely tired of Facebook because it's really not about personal things anymore. It's just really a new news feed for all of the happenings of the world. But anyway, that's just pet peeve as well. But I, I got to tell you, especially with Instagram, I, I just struggle with some of these preachers that basically every picture in their feed is of themselves. I, I don't really understand what that's about. And, and I think we need, and I, again, I know some of you this has absolutely no application to whatsoever. But there's a bunch of us, and especially a younger generation. I want to challenge you tonight. Let's back up. What would you, what would you have thought if you'd have seen one of those? Hopefully nobody else besides Timothy saw. What would your opinion of me be? My hope is, my hope is, you'd have gone, you know, Brother Wright, that's not you. Why is it that that's not me, but it's okay for maybe you to sort of... I'm not, I'm not shooting, I'm, cha- I'm more challenging, trying to challenge some of you right now, because again, I think there's a very fine line in this context, I, I don't quite understand, oh Lord, Segway, Segway, take note, Segway, maybe flesh, it may be, I'm honest, I'm being honest, okay? I know Bishop is here and repeat, sometimes the voices in my head get mixed, messed up, and I try to acknowledge which voice I'm repeating, so I think right now I'm repeating my voice and not his. <laughs> I'm being honest, I'm, I'm being truthful. I don't quite understand. You know what? They, they make Hallmark cards and pens and paper and, and all of that for you to communicate your sweet nothings on your, your anniversary and all of that. I don't quite understand why you put out for the world. Now, I, now don't get me, I'm not judging every, I, I think I posted my wife's birth. I'm not talking, I'm talking about more personal communication. What what is what are what are you who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to prove? Back to hopefully that other voice, his voice. <laughs> Listen to what Barnes Notes says. The word alms here denotes liberality to the poor and needy. In the margin, as in the best editions of the Greek, it is righteousness, either referring to alms giving as eminently a righteous act, or more probably including all that is specified in this and the following verses, which include almsgiving, prayer, fasting. Our Savior here does not positively command His disciples to aid the poor, but supposes that they would do it, of course, and gives them directions how to do it. It is the nature of religion to help those who are really needy, And a real Christian does not wait to be commanded to do it, but only asks for the opportunity. So the point being, when he says, don't give your alms or don't do it in a... He's not just... It's the context of this is, again, it's not just talking about your giving. It's it's really a broader context of... And if I could say it this way, even though it's probably not the most acceptable way but that your religious activity, and I mean that in a positive way, I don't mean that sometimes we do religious activity out of ritual habit obligation, so I don't, I mean it in a positive way, that your, whatever your religious activity is, I think it may be further down in this passage, I think, 
Um, I don't think it's under or directly connected to a take heed, but, but Jesus gives instructions. When you fast, don't walk around with a sad face and letting everybody know how hungry you are and the fact that you are fasting. and not, Don't do it. Because if that's what you're doing, that's what you're getting. That is your reward. With regards to before men, our Lord does not require us never to give alms before people, but only forbids our doing it to be seen of them for the purpose of ostentation and to seek their praise. To a person who is disposed to do good from a right motive, it matters little whether it be in public or in private. The only thing that renders it even desirable that our, God, that our good deeds should be seen is that God may be glorified. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap. King James, if you faint not, what it really means is if you don't give up, if you don't quit. If you're sowing into the work of God, into the kingdom, whether that's financially or your time and ministry, you will be rewarded. The scripture says your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. The problem is, how many of you, how many of you were part of some of those early meet meetings before, even before it became manifest? They're amongst a couple of other things, amongst a couple of other subjects or words, that there was a word that sticks out in my mind. I may, maybe it was not as prominent as I remember it to be, but it, a word that really sticks in my mind, I think it was in what I just read, motive. Motive. You can do the right things, for the wrong reasons. You can do the right things for the wrong reasons. And when you do the right things for the wrong reasons, God's not the one rewarding you. You know, one of the basic indicators to me when somebody's doing the right thing for the wrong reason, especially when it comes to some form of ministry or giving, one of the common indicators is when they start expressing how unappreciated they are. How unrecognized they are. Now don't get me wrong, I believe we just did it last weekend at the Arnold's or the Antioch Central Leadership Summit. I believe in recognition. I believe we have a responsibility to give honor to whom honor is due. I believe that. So please understand, we took a whole Sunday night a couple of months ago to give honor and recognition. But when you get caught up in the fact you're not getting that, you might want to go back to what your motive is. Because if I can keep my motive pure, and I can keep my motive right, it doesn't matter if anybody ever recognizes me, if anybody ever thanks me. You, you can know another way when your motive's not quite right is when some names get called for doing something and people get credit, and you are a part of doing it, but your name didn't get called and you get all upset. Oh, come on, brother, right? That's just flesh. Exactly. If my motive can be pure, you know how many people, how many preachers, and particularly, really two categories, pastors and missionaries, who give their life to ministry, sacrifice, figuratively blood, sweat, and tears, Literally, most of them sweat and tears. <laughs> some of them, blood. I'm sure there was some blood been shed on some construction projects through the years. <laughs> Give their life, everything they've got invested in the kingdom. But by the end of it, they die lost 
Because they became bitter. They became bitter by the treatment of people. They became bitter by the lack of appreciation. I, I'm gonna, this is, this is one of those really awkward moments and, and I, I'm gonna take a step of feeling really awkward just to, just to prove a point and I realize I, I'm, I'm, I very well, if you wanna judge me that I'm actually expressing an issue, then you judge me, and I'll pray that I don't have an issue. I, I just, I I, 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 how many of you know what October is? Pastor Appreciation Month. I, I kind of need to turn my Facebook and my Instagram off. Because my flesh, my, I'm telling you flesh, struggles some when I see big old food baskets and all of this. I'm, I'm, I know, I know, I know what I, I'm, really, I'm, whatever. <laughs> My point is, whether you're a pastor, or whether you're some other area of ministry, you seem to be, get those magnified. Well, they're always, somebody always knows, somebody's always appreciating them. I tell oh Lord, I... I need to stick with the notes. If I'd stick with notes, what's in my notes, I probably wouldn't really get in trouble. I, I, I've, I've kind of heard... <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to go here. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> you know what, the youth. Everything's about the youth. Everything's all the youth. Every. First of all, that's not really the case. Second of all, when you get your eyes on the wrong thing, certain things start to get magnified. I, I'll tell you, and it's, it's, if the Lord willing and I keep going, it won't, I think it's a, I'm gonna basically go in kind of sequential order that they occur, but what the one that's really been on my mind and my spirit, which prompted all of where we are tonight, is where it says, take heed how you hear. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna get, I'm getting off track. I'm getting off track. and I, I, that, was, this, that, that verse has already been in my mind, okay? So I don't want you to get that this is where that came from. It's already been in my mind. But one thing that kind of stirred it up is, is over the last couple of weeks as I've listened to where I've heard, I, I, I'll just throw it out there. I, I know I'm going to lose some of you for the rest of the night on this, but I, I heard, I, I watched the inauguration, and I listened to our new president's inaugural speech. And then I started hearing what everybody else heard. I'm like, okay, do I have the wrong filter? Do they have a filter? I didn't hear that, but maybe maybe there's something wrong with how I'm hearing. Or, I won't go there. Be careful how you hear. Be careful the motive behind what you do. I don't think it's abnormal for us to want a degree of being appreciated. There, there's no wife that wants to, 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 to do her responsibilities as a wife and as a mother. There's no father who wants to do his responsibility as a father and a husband that, that doesn't want to be appreciated. I, I get that, but it's, we, we've got to be careful that we don't get caught up in having to have that. And if I don't have that, then I'm going to become bitter and then I may even stop doing what I'm doing. And so you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons and God not bless it. You could, somebody could jump up right now and take a lap, shouting and worshiping. And it very well may be that God told them to get up and run. So be it, have at it, God bless you. It could be 
that they just kind of want a little attention. Kind of impress everybody that they're bold and brave enough to run in the middle of nothing. It also could be that they think everybody else is dead and dull and somebody around here, bless God, ought to do something because nobody else is. You said, Brother Wright, I mean, only God really, you're right, only He does. I don't know what you pray on a regular basis, but I pray on a regular basis. God, you know every motive. I'm doing my best to judge my motives, God. I'm doing my best. When I pray, there's some prayers I pray. There's some prayers I pray about harvest and revival and, and God fulfilling His promises to Antioch. And I, I say, God, the best I can tell, I'm praying for the right reasons, but I gotta be honest, there's probably somewhere in there a little bit of a selfish motive. I don't want to have any motive in what I'm doing that withholds your blessing on it. I don't want to have, I don't want you to have to restrict the flow of your spirit and the flow of the anointing in any way because there's something in my motive that is doing something for the wrong reasons. He says, with regard, I will skip all of that and just quickly Jameson Fawcett Brown says in the synagogue is, and in the streets, the places of religious and of secular resorts. So I'm not just talking here tonight about what takes place in the walls of a service. I'm talking about our lives, our everyday life, whether that's our involvement with each other in various aspects of ministry or that's our involvement with the world. Our motive for what we're doing cannot be so that the world sees or our brother or our sister sees. Paul said something that I think really is connected, related to what Jesus said when he told them, take heed that you don't do your alms in public. He says this in Philippians 2.11, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Here it is, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, or because of this, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Living Bible says it this way, Your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Christ, by Jesus Christ, who though He was God, did not demand and cling to His rights as God, but laid aside His mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as actually to die a criminal's death on a cross. Yet it was because of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And lastly, the message Bible, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. You know what's amazing? People that usually do that, when they get there, resent it. People that kind of weasel their way to the top. 
when they get there and then have to do what's required at the top, they now resent what they do. Put yourself aside and other and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Did you, did you hear that? Did you still with me? I'm, I'll try to quit here. I didn't say when, I just said I'd try. (laughs) He didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. If anybody deserved a banquet and an appreciation party for all that they've done, nobody else has done as much as he did to be able to provide what he provided. (laughs) And he died a selfless, thankless death. Laid aside the privilege and the status for his purpose. Fulfilling my purpose is greater than establishing my status. I know if you've heard me before, more than likely, I use this, usually if I'm in a leadership setting, it seems to work its way in at some point. But go read Romans chapter 1 and read Paul's introduction and his address to the church at Rome. And he says in Romans 1 and 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. 2017, and even before 2017, but 2017, there's a lot of people that got it all backwards. They are so ready to shake your hand and introduce themselves and tell you who that, how, how you doing? I'm apostle right. Good to meet you. I'm prophet so and so. They make their identity what it is they're called to. My calling is not who I am. You want to know who I am? I am a servant of Jesus Christ. That's why he can look at me in the position I'm in and say, thank you very much for what you've done here. I now want you here. But God, that's my ministry. That's my job. That's my department. No. I I ask you to serve there. You're done serving there. I'd like you to serve here. Wait a minute. I don't have the same title with this that I had with that. I, I I hope I can get this right. Brother, you and I were going back and forth the other day in a little email train, and he he made a statement. I don't want to go flee. You might see something in my notes I don't want you to see. Something to my wife that's not for you. If I I get it wrong, maybe you'll help me, Brother You. Brother You made made this statement. I saved it in my notes. It is a wonderful thing when a person finds their place in, in ministry and trades frustration for fulfillment. When you, I'm, I'm, I'm off anything I thought I'd be on and I'm not shooting at anybody. I'm sorry, I'm not. You, Jesus can decide that if you believe me or not. I'm just trying to hear that right voice. R-I-G-H-T voice. Not the W-R-I-G-H-T voice. 
when you get your eyes set on a position and try to fulfill a position that God did not call you to, there will be great frustration. Sometimes you find fulfillment not in a promotion, but what in fact, in some ways, could be perceived as a demotion. But it's amazing that when you get into the position that God wants you in, even though you may lose in man's eyes a degree of status, the fulfillment that comes with the position is way more than the natural status that may come with the other position. I got news for you. Some of you need to know this. Some of you, this, this, if you don't already know this, hopefully this will be a relief for you. Not every person that gets saved is called to preach. And let me especially say it this way, because this is where it probably more often than not seems to be some degree of pressure. Not every male is called to preach. Not every male is called to preach. You need to make sure it's God's calling and not simply perceived expectations, either expectations that others have expressed or expectations you think others have of you. Hallelujah. I'm not discouraging anybody from being called or if you're called. I'm actually trying to help maybe somebody breathe a little bit. I just, you know, everybody tells me they think, well, the most important thing is not what everybody else thinks. Most important thing is what does he think? Saul thought David ought to go fight Goliath with his armor. And David gave in to the temptation for a moment, but recognized, you know what? That's your armor, that's not mine. I don't know how to do what you do. All I can do is what I do. There's prestige that goes along with wearing the king's armor, but if he'd have went out to fight Goliath with Saul's armor, David would not have been the victor. Goliath would have been the victor. David had to go out and use what he had proven. While I'm standing on some holy ground, let me see if I can just get a little farther out. Some of you younger folks, and I don't mean necessarily age-wise, I mean more so in ministry involvement-wise, I understand that, that we have a, we have a, a goal and a desire here when it comes to ministry to flow. And I understand, again, Bishop is very It's his gifting and his calling, and I understand the principle. Oh, Lord. Nothing like a glass pulpit to hide behind for protection, at least. (laughs) I got to tell you, if if you're just starting out, it's really not a good idea for you to stand behind a pulpit with nothing in your no notes and nothing on the, on the, on some kind of device or something and you're just going to hear and repeat. There's nothing wrong with some notes. If you get locked into those notes and won't follow the flow when the Holy Ghost flows, that's a problem. When you get up there and you're so locked into what you have and you got to do what you have and the Holy Ghost is trying to go there but you don't go there because of what you have, that's a problem. But when you get up here and you don't have much and you're just going to wait on God, that's a problem too. I don't, I, I don't, I've been a couple, I was in the Philippines is actually where it, the one time it happened, I had somebody come up to me at the end of the service, and I, it seemed to be kind of a custom there they'd go, they'd, to go to the speaker, and you would ask them for their notes. <laughs> and the guy came up, can I, hey, Pastor Ryan, can I have your notes? I'm like, 
okay. Most of the time, all my notes are is usually the verses I'm using. Obviously, I know I use commentary, read commentary to give context, but a lot of times it's it's not um, what's the word? Um, no, more than outline. It's not a script. Yeah, actually, sometimes I'll I'll happen to pull up a file from a. A message from years ago. I see the title. I'm like, that's a pretty good title. Let me. What was that about? And I, I open it up. I'm like, I don't know what that has to do with the title. Obviously, when I preached it, it did. I don't know now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Uh, the, I, my, here, here's my point. Here's my ultimate point. Okay, you got to find out who you are. And you got to find out what God made you, and you got to be that. And if you're not careful, part of what I'm talking about tonight is out of pressure, you can try to be somebody else for approval, wrong motive, rather than just simply being who you are and what God has called you to be. He made himself of no reputation. If anyone in the history of humanity ever had a right to have and use a reputation. Jesus Christ had that. If any other human being in the history of humanity had a right to throw around a title of themselves, my opinion is Paul. If Paul would have gone around calling himself an apostle... No problem. You're the man. (laughs) Call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. (laughs) And yet, Jesus made himself of no reputation. Paul said, you want to know what I am? I am a servant. I'm called to be an apostle. But what I am is a servant. I got to tell you, if you want to be successful in your walk with God, and you want to be successful at God directing your life, you better remember, at the bottom of it all, I am a servant. That was part of John the Baptist's struggle. Go ask Jesus, are you the one? Or do we look for another? Why are you now asking what you previously declared. Why are you now doubting what not that long ago you were declaring to the world? Behold the Lamb of God. I think part of it was John forgot. I'm a servant. And my role as a servant today might be center stage. Proclaiming the Lamb of God to the world. But my role tomorrow may be sitting in prison about to get my head chopped off. (laughs) What kind of thanks? What kind of thanks is that for what he had done? (laughs) What kind of thanks was it? What kind of retirement party is that? (laughs) Hey, they did a the passing of the mantle services at Christian Life Center. Brother Libby and Senior and Brother Sean come becoming pastor, and they gave they gave Brother and Sister Libby uh, as a as a as a token of appreciation for their service at Christian Life Center. They gave each one of them real. Rolex watches. It was funny because Brother Libby and later on said, I, this morning I started to put one of my fake Rolex watches on and wear it to church, but I was afraid everybody thought I'd have a real one. I mean, that's not a bad, you know, some of you don't care about watches, but if you're a watch person, that's pretty sweet. I paid $15 for an imitation because it's cool to have a Rolex. I mean, even if it stops working after a week. 
I mean, that's, that's a pretty nice, that's, that's kind of what you expect after service. Appreciation. A vacation. A cruise. Not a prison. Is this the thanks I get for what I've done? No, this isn't the thanks, John. Because your ultimate thanks is yet to come. Let's not get bitter over not getting something here and miss out on the greatest reward for what we do down here. Because the bottom line is, whatever I might get down here is an expression of thanks and appreciation for what I've done is only temporal. But what I get in eternity as an expression of faithful for my of appreciation for my thankfulness is eternal. I heard a story if I can get it right and I close. There was a man, a wealthy man who had attended a church faithful, saved. But he he just did the minimal. He just got by on the least, and he died, and he went to heaven. And Saint Peter—it's always Saint Peter—is the escort in heaven for some reason. He was leading him down the streets of gold, passing by the mansions, which is I know a whole other topic for some of you, whether it's really mansions or not. But for the sake of my story, just bear with me. And he began to see a very large, glamorous, wonderful mansion and thought, surely that much must be mine because of all the money I gave. And Peter said, no, that's, that's the Sunday school teachers. Passed by another one and no, that's the youth workers. And that's finally got to a shack. And that was his. Because the treasure he had laid up was not the treasure that everybody else had laid up where moth and rust decays. But there is a place where all of us will get a reward that the batteries don't die, it doesn't wear out, it doesn't break down, it doesn't get old, but it is an eternal reward for what we have done in a temporal dimension. Father, I pray tonight that you would bring to every one of us a motive check, God. Lord, ultimately, you alone are the only one that can truly judge all of our motives. We try to the best of our ability to judge, to judge by your word, our motives. God, I don't think there's any way within our own selves to truly be able to judge every motive that we have. So I pray tonight, Father, that you would help us, that you would search us. God, if within any of us there are any motives Motives for recognition, motives for notoriety, motives for, for popularity, motives for men to say good things about us. If there's anything in our motives like that, I pray, God, that you would purge and purify our motives. I pray that you would do that, God, so that you are able to take the limit off of what it is you can do through us because you know that our motives are right and pure. Help us tonight, Father, to take heed. God, if there's any way, I, I would imagine, Lord, that most of us, it's probably not a real obvious way to us if we are trying to give our alms before men. It's probably in a little more subtle ways that it's a little more difficult for us to recognize. And so I pray, God, if that's the case in any one of us, that your Spirit would reveal to us what needs to be purged and purified from us. 
again, Father, so that you are released to do through us all that you have desired, purposed, intended to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. As is normally the case on Thursday night, I've included several things that I have not touched on tonight. If you'd like that for your personal benefit, if you'll email me, I'm happy to share with you, remind you of the stuff in the back for sale. And then also, brethren, if any of you are interested in checking out the clothes downstairs, don't forget to do that before you leave. God bless you. In Jesus' name.